Hi, I'm Doug Olenek, news editor with ISMG, and I'm here today with Mike Hamilton, founder and CISO of CI Security. And today we're going to talk about Mike's career path, one that started in a field far removed from cybersecurity, but which has led him to uh, several high profile roles over the years, including some time with DHS and spending almost eight years as the CISO for the city of Seattle. Mike, welcome to our studio. Thanks, Doug. It's good to be here. Great. Um, well, you know what? what? We're going to kind of dive right into this and start at the beginning for you. From what I saw, at least on LinkedIn, you started your career with a bachelor's and a master's in geochemistry and oceanography. Yep. What was your uh, life's goal at that point? Uh, well, I spent uh, 10 years at USC basically studying earth science, and the objective was to just become educated. But I was doing something so interesting, you know, I just wanted to stick with it. And I, I was able to do a lot of really fantastic things. I took a, a trip down in a, a research submarine called the Alvin and went about a mile down and drove around in the mud at the bottom of the ocean. I did a, uh, uh, well, this was kind of bad. I actually broke into computers when we were uh, parked on the equator at 140 West uh, on a, let's just call it a planetary geochemistry cruise because email stopped working. And uh, when you, you see, you probably see over my shoulder, the shellback certificate there. That's what happens when you cross a line of geographic significance on a ship. When you cross the equator, you become a shellback. That hazing ceremony turns out to be a lot worse if you got caught breaking into the ship's computers trying to fix the broken email. So, you know, I mean, there was a lot of really great things I was able to do. And I think I just stayed with it, um, you know, and eventually I got hired uh, at uh, the Jet Propulsion Lab doing satellite oceanography, which was a really great thing to be doing. And I, you know, felt very fulfilled doing that. Very interesting. I've had friends in the Navy who've told me about their shellback experiences. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> luckily, the Army had no equivalent to that. So, you know, go over any major lines normally. So <laughs> we, we were safe in that sense. So, well, you, you mentioned, you know, hacking into an email server uh, at, at that time. And so that is certainly a, a toe in this area. But at, at what point did cybersecurity begin to interest you? Great question. So um, when I was at JPL, uh, and this was uh, early 90s, uh, Satan came out. Satan was a tool developed by Dan Farmer, system administrator's tool for the analysis of networks. And what it was, was kind of the first vulnerability assessment tool that eventually turned into CyberCop. And then we ended up with Nessus and it's all basically the same thing, but you know, which it would, it would examine your systems and tell you, you know, what was wrong, what you needed to fix. And so they said, okay, look, everybody that's running a research network here, you're going to have to survive a Satan scan. And so I ran a network of uh, Sun workstations that I was using for my research and uh, uh, figured out through studying things that Marcus Raynham had written, right? Thinking about firewalls, there's a seminal book uh, on building firewalls. Uh, uh, there was the firewall toolkit. And so I basically turned all my SunOS 4.1.3 workstations into firewalls, and that became super interesting. And then after a while at JPL, my job became quality assurance of sea surface temperature imagery, and that was kind of boring. And so I just decided I was going to start hand rolling firewalls and selling them in Southern California, and I did. I left JPL and just said, okay, I'm a firewall expert now. I was not, <laughs> you know, but I got enough people to believe me and we sold some firewalls and they worked and, you know, 
that's kind of how I got off to the races. It, it certainly seems that at, at JPL and while you were on, you know, on board a ship there that you did have a, a pretty uh, heavy technical uh, yeah. background and that, that's what your, your, your hands-on experience was with. But was it sort of hard to shift from that environment? I don't want to call it purely physical sciences because it's certainly um, more than that, but to go from kind of something that's much more hands-on into the area of computer science? I don't know if I would really call what I did computer science. It was more information security and, you know, starting at the really technical level, you know, with, you know, firewalls and things like that. Um, you know, we started a kind of a nascent managed service too, uh, monitoring web activity on behalf of our customers and reporting back on, um, you know, unique sites that had been visited, you know, that we had never seen before, things like that. Um, so it wasn't really computer science. It was really selling security and becoming someone who was good at giving advice on how to secure environments as all of this developed because over, you know, from the early nineties and into the two thousands and beyond, you know, we, we kind of started to develop this as, you know, an industry, the information security industry. And, you know, I feel like I, I came up along that trajectory and I learned along the way too, you know, i you know, people throw around this word expert. I still don't think I'm an expert, you know, I, but I have been exposed to a lot of things. So Mike, did you ever uh, end up going back to school uh, to get more of a formal education in information security? Uh, no, uh, all of my education was of a sort that uh, if you do it today, you're going to go to prison. So there was, you know, there was a lot of um, events in there, uh, including, and I'll just be honest with you, a short stint working for organized crime. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, and, and, and in fact, this is what we tell the people, you know, that when I talk to them at schools, universities, and things like this, and the, and the people that we hire, more than your degree or your certification, we're interested in your curiosity. And frankly, from my perspective, your willingness to go right up to the line of doing something illegal because your curiosity draws you that way. You know, that's the way I got my pedigree and, you know, we as a company value that quite a bit. Um, the, you know, the people coming out of the, the schools where you get a degree in cybersecurity, you may have a lot of book learning, but your boots have never been on the ground. And so it's that experience, I think, just over a long time that really makes you good at this. So without delving into any organized crime uh, activities, can you give a kind of an idea of some of these experiences uh, that, that you've, uh, gone through over the uh, years that have helped build your career? Sure. Uh, okay, so well, I told you about uh, trying to uh, uh, fix broken email while parked on the equator by trying to, um, f f for lack of a better term, hack Inmarsat, which is really not a good thing to do. Um, I, I used to run bulletin board systems a long time ago. And uh, when I was at USC, um, they asked me to build one for the school. I had been running this underground thing in an ocean physics closet. Um, and I did. And some of the people on my little underground thing who had joined the USC BBS uh, got a hold of me one day and said, hey, got any unused accounts? I hear you are, you know, system administrator on a VAX in the geology department. And I go, well, sure. And so I gave this person access to an account that was no longer being used. That guy's name is Louis DePayne and he and his best friend, Kevin Mitnick used the account that I gave them along with others 
to get in a whole bunch of trouble. And, you know, the FBI crawled up my backside with a flashlight. So, you know, it's experiences like that. Um, you know, it's, I don't want to tell you, you know, the stuff I was doing, the organized crime stuff. I wasn't, you know, a hacker for organized crime. Let me just be clear about that. They wanted me to just be a consultant to talk to their investors. Well, they were raising fake investment money for fake projects. And eventually I found out, had a four hour chat with the FBI, IRS and SEC about it and then said, look at the time. I think I'm going to go to Arkansas now. So I went to Arkansas and I uh, worked about a year and a half uh, at Walmart headquarters. I converted the country of Mexico over to a new dynamic DNS product. Um, and then I was hired by a company called Gardent that was a startup and started one of the first MSSP operations. And they relocated me to Seattle and I'm still here. So was your first CISO position as the CISO for the city of Seattle? Yeah, I had a similar role before. Well, I had similar roles before, but they were always uh, in a consulting capacity. They were, uh, you know, deputy CISO on a contract basis for, you know, for example, for a company called eFunds that was down in, here's a funny thing, eFunds, and they did financial fraud detection products. And their headquarters is in Scottsdale, Arizona, and their data center was kind of in um, West Milwaukee, a town called New Berlin, Wisconsin. Guess where I spent the summer and where I spent the winter? I got it exactly wrong. It was either 115 degrees or I was covered with ice for the entire time. But so they had me work as, you know, the deputy CISO and I I filled a similar role for uh, applied materials, the company that makes semiconductor manufacturing equipment, right? So they have Intel's chip designs kind of far out and that's property that needs to be protected. So, you know, I had had a similar role a couple of times, um, but really taking the role at the city of Seattle was driven by the fact that my daughter was born when I was 44 years old. And at the time I was the managing consultant for VeriSign Global Security Consulting. And that was great. They were driving a dump truck full of money to my house every couple of weeks. But if you're gonna be dad, you can't go to work on an airplane anymore. Yeah, so, you know, and, and actually, you know, I, I, I have had some mentors in my past and in consulting some of them, they said, yeah, you definitely want to do this. You're not going to get another chance to spend time with your young daughter again. So go take the job. And it turned out to be the best thing I ever did, both from the perspective of my relationship with my daughter, but also there is no substitute for getting into an organization like the city of Seattle Um, that's large, targeted, and extremely critical in terms of the services it provides. Boy, that will wake you this, you know, this gets, no, it's not theoretical anymore. (laughs) See what's going on here. And um, so, yeah, I think that was the best thing I ever did. So, you know, the city of Seattle was the first CISO position I ever had. I had done work like that on a contract basis before. Um, but, um, that was really one of the greatest experiences I had was working for the city. And I will always, you know, feel like I'm a city of Seattle alum. So on your first day, now that you're in this position, (laughs) protecting a targeted, uh, city such as Seattle and being responsible for all of this, uh, was there anything you realized at that point? It's like, oops, you know, I really should 
have this attribute. I really should have this skill. And then as you're sitting at your yeah. desk, you realize all that. Anything in particular that what, you were missing well, at that point? You know, knowing how government works is one thing. You know, knowing how to communicate um, using language that is um, tuned to the way government works. Uh, you, you can't shoot from the hip. You got to think about what you're doing. You got to think about your communication style and, you know, how you're going to create a value proposition. Um, the other eye opener was, wow, uh, you, you know, you have high expectations of security, but you don't resource it very well. So I'm going to have to figure out ways to get this done in the absence of the kind of budget that I would need if I, if I was just able to get what I wanted. And because it is a, you know, government in particular is a, an extremely federated organization. It's a whole bunch of agencies or departments or whatever, a lot of which, you know, have, uh, you know, business units that are completely different from one another. And um, trying to get consensus across a group of agencies like that to do something at an enterprise level requires a deal a good deal of finesse and communication skills, as well as learning how the levers of government work. So, you know, I think that that was that was a real revelation there. You know, I need to figure out how to round all these people up to get them to go in a certain direction to get this done. Um, but the other one was, oh my God, you guys do water purification, waste treatment, traffic management, communications for law enforcement, public safety, emergency management, and IT holds all this stuff up and y'all are just kind of, you know, throwing your preventive controls in place and hoping that works. And we need to tool up some instrumentation in here to monitor these networks. And so the, you know, the, the shift in my thinking to, um, coming away from preventive controls as a means of reducing the likelihood of a bad outcome and focusing on detection and response to minimize the impact of events when they happen. That was a real sea change for me. And glad I did that because uh, that's the world we're living in right now. Your preventive controls are going to fail. And if your monitoring isn't up to speed, somebody's gonna hand you your backside. Now, when you showed up and uh, became CISO, had that role al already been in place? Um, were you the first one there or did, were you sort of building upon uh, a, a previous? Uh, I was CISO? number two there. And um, um, the, the person that I followed was uh, extremely good at the job, um, but went to take a position um, at the University of Washington, which was kind of the plum gig that this uh, particular individual wanted and was ready for. And it was just uh, kind of a coincidence that he left the city right about the time when I was thinking I had to, you know, quit traveling all the time as a consultant. So that just that worked out really well. But I was number two. Um, he had only been there for a couple of years, I think. So there wasn't a big imprint um, that I had to either start with and continue um, or or, or live with in terms of, you know, decisions that have been made. Okay. So now you've uh, attained this first CISO position. Do you have any advice for like folks who are in that position now and like the steps they would need to take to like move on to the next CISO position? You know, you, you start out at a very, at a very high level. 
uh, per se, but say you're in a smaller company, you're in charge of their, maybe it's not even called CISO, just in charge of security for them. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest for them to like move forward in their career? Got to understand that you're part of a business. You have to understand that, you know, the, the letter of the law is not always the way it goes down. You know, you know what you need to do to make something secure, but if that makes the business inoperable or creates some kind of disruption, it's not going to move forward. So, you know, understanding that the business has to win um, and then being able to communicate well and create a value proposition that the business will understand. You know, if you run around and talk about scary Russian cyber buffer overflow SQL injection, nobody wants to talk to you. But if you say, we, we have a million records in a database and the average value to clean up um, records that have been disclosed in an unauthorized way is about $200 a record. That's about $200 million in potential liability. We think that's at about 50% risk, a medium risk. So there's about $100 million of potential liability there. And I need $50,000 for controls and I'll cut that risk in half again. So you can get $25 million in risk reduction for an outlay of $50,000. That's the way to have the conversation. So these are the things that, you know, as you want to be the person that manages the programmatics, not necessarily somebody that's playing keyboards. Uh, It's all about how you talk and how you talk in business terms. Um, Even when you're in government, it's got to be business terms, right? The general fund is the general fund and it's immutable. So you know, working with that rather than saying it has to be this way. It, it, the desk pounders don't go anywhere. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks for coming into our studio today. You had an amazing story to tell, and I hope this conversation and the experiences that you shared will help those out in the cybersecurity industry who are looking to grab that first CISO position. So for ISMG, I'm Doug O'Lenick.